Welcome to another to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man. And I'm joined by a man who's never been more obsessed with offensive linemen, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, Gerald, I'm good. Looking for the beef. We're going to talk about some beefcakes, some big boys, some big bodies, the trenches with Mike Roach uh, today. Uh, you know, I'm good. Back uh, back in Houston after Park City. It's much warmer here than it was in the mountains. Uh, just, you know, happy birthday to my wife. Happy, I uh, won't say age. It's inappropriate. Happy birthday to to my wife. I know she's listening to this. She always listens, I'm sure. Uh, happy birthday. There are no better examples of the term better half than our respective spouses, Kyle. Let's just <laughs> let's just leave it there. But we're not here to talk about how Kyle and I are incredible recruiters. We're here to talk about how the <laughs> Texas Longhorn staff are incredible recruiters. We've got Mike Roach on today to talk about National Signing Day, kind of a recap with him, and then we'll actually dive into, uh, we dovetail into like real world and stuff at the end. So once we've talked about the transfers, if you're not into uh, media recommendations, then you can just skip that point but we're excited to have mike on today to discuss national signing day it's been a minute but we managed to to sync up our schedules and friend of the show our good friend mike roach is here to help us react and recap to national signing day two electric national signing day i i I don't know what to officially call this because it anywho people signed on Wednesday. And so we are here to discuss it. Mike, thank you so much for taking some time out, man. I appreciate you fellas for having me. Like I told you, I felt bad. I had to turn you down on national signing day one. And, uh, that was the most hectic week ever and almost killed me. So, uh, I had to come back and make it right for you guys. Well, uh, you, you look stronger. Whatever doesn't kill you apparently makes you stronger. You look good. You know, I've had a lot of sleep. Like this month has been kind of boring because they signed most of the guys in December well, all the guys in December, actually. So, um, you know, I guess we get to that in a second, but uh, it's kind of just been a, a pretty chill month. Which, again, for the life of a, a recruiting writer, a chill month of January slash early February is never a bad thing. So Mike alluded to it, but the Longhorns capped off a, a rather impressive signing class in 2022 with apparently the covert signature of five-star offensive lineman uh, Devon Campbell out of Arlington, the highest-ranked offensive lineman, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, in like 20 years for the Longhorns coming onto campus uh, to play presumably on the interior and really just capping at a impressive haul from Kyle Flood and that recruiting staff. Yeah, and I'm giving you guys, if we can just peel back the curtain um, a little bit, giving you guys the exclusive on this because we're, we're actually recording this Tuesday night uh, before signing day. So gave you guys a little bit of a heads up so you could have a signing day reaction show ready. Um, yeah. Uh, Devon Campbell getting him is it's big on a couple of different fronts. Obviously the talent is, is a need. Obviously 
Um, you know, building on that offensive line is a need. Getting guys who are that elite to stay in the state of Texas has been quite a challenge in the last couple of years, so that's huge. Uh, but really kind of making a statement and landing this type of player after a five and seven season and, and it coming together at such a position of need for Texas, I think is, is really a strong indicator. It's the best offensive line class in my time around, you know, covering the horns. Uh, obviously we haven't always needed a need for five uh, plus excellent bodies. I mean, uh, that seems to be the, the Sarkeesian strategy is get the big guys, but uh, is this a sign for, for Kyle flood of building the line, the, the room, how he wants it? Obviously uh, Devon Campbell is the latest, but this is a class that's, you know, that's probably five deep with, with uh, legitimate starters and guys who could have a sniff at the next level, at least. Yeah. I mean, it goes seven deep across the board. And if you look at that and what they did on the defensive line, you're talking about, half the class basically built in the front lines um, and building a roster from the inside out is in my opinion, the best way to do it. You guys have seen over time, if you don't win in the trenches, you you, you typically don't win. Getting those skill players is great, but I mean, good Lord, how Lord, how easy would Bajan Robinson's job be if he wasn't <laughs> evading a tackle in the backfield every time being able to kind of get those guys in place in an offense that has proven to be explosive and has proven to scheme guys open and things like that. Um, that's the biggest thing you could do. And so, you know, flood came in with a huge need. He really had his guys circled, lost out on a couple of them early, right? Like wasn't always pretty. It didn't always look like it was going to get done, but comes down the stretch. And when they entered the last week of the early signing period, they have two offensive line commits. They've they've signed five since that time. So all those guys in the last in the last week, uh, Nato Zulu, Kelvin Banks, Malik Ogbo, uh, and Cameron Williams, and now Devon Campbell, who actually signed in December and just kind of kept it to himself. Um, it's been a, uh, it was a little bit dicey. It's been kind of bubbling out at places uh, here and there. Um, and luckily nobody major has picked it up and run with it. Cause I, you know, I know Devon wanted to keep that for his moment, but uh, man, it's uh, it's been, it's been a, uh, it's been a fun run. So you alluded to the the job overall that Kyle flood has, has done at the offensive line. And a lot of people going into the offseason presume that Texas would take something out of the portal. And so what do you think from your, from your perspective as somebody who kind of knows the team and knows what's happening, like how confident is this group that they can come in and make an immediate impact, especially with the guys like you mentioned, Campbell and Kelvin Banks and uh, NATO and just like a, a group of guys who are hanging out in the top hundred ish of, of the composite. Like how are, how impactful can this group be early? I think it can be impactful. You, you obviously you, this is a position where you don't want to have to rely on a lot of youth. And so if you have to rely on youth, they better be special. And I think Devon Campbell is special. Um, been watching him. I was actually at the first game he ever played uh, on the varsity level. Saw him then and was standing with a buddy of mine um, who's who's really tied into recruiting. And he pointed him out like in warmups, like we hadn't seen the kid play a snap. He pointed him out in warmups and said, that kid's a future All-American. Wow. He, uh, he did nothing but prove that through the rest of his career. He's an exceptional athlete, a, a really good basketball player. He, he can dunk at 6'3", 310 pounds. And not just Love like – kind of get up and throw it over the rim like he can in layup lines down the lane and punch it and then is also a really good uh, at track and field he throws a shot throws discus and, and went to regional meets and both and so um he's a guy that 
when you see all those things are great, right? And they're all things we look for in players. And then you turn on the tape and it's like, he's out here body slamming kids. He's, you know, he's a, we call him, uh, we saw him at the Under Armour All-American game. He was the tone setter at practice. I mean, he mm-hmm. just, every time he's on the field, he is, he only knows one speed. It's, it's, you know, pretty much just physical as it gets from the moment they say go. And that guy lives for one-on-ones. I mean, he's got one of the most powerful punches I've seen out of an offensive lineman. His hands are so quick and so good. And he's so strong. Um, that it shocks people. I think he was the only guy that really gave Walter Nolan any trouble down in, in Orlando, and Walter Nolan kind of terrorized the offensive lineman in Orlando. We've gone in deep on the offensive line, and I could talk for hours about the offensive line, especially with people that that know the offensive line. But like, let's let's just take a look from the classes as a whole. And I'm looking forward to your like Mike empties his notebook article that you put out after signing day for doing that again this year. I'm already I've already waited waiting for it. But like from a from an overall perspective, like Texas closing the way they did and coming up with a top five class after a five and seven season, like what does that say about one the staff's ability to kind of sell where they're going, and two the 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 player's ability to kind of buy into that vision and really believe that vision for the future. I think it, it, a little bit of both. And I think the important component there was the recruiting they got from the rest of the players on the team. You know, I, Devon Campbell spent a lot of time talking to guys on the team to get their real opinion. And, and in the late years under Tom Herman, those opinions weren't always what you wanted to hear as a recruit, which is what led to a lot of guys going other ways. I think that this, the staff is, is really, or the, these kids are, you know, excuse me, just despite the results were really bought in with Sark and especially Kyle Flood. And, you know, when you look at like Arlington Bowie, right, where Tope Amade went to school and, and Campbell got connected with Amade quickly. And I know he had a lot of talks with him about what do you really think about Flood? What do you really think about Sark? And Amade's soul, I mean, he, he, he spoke from the heart and I, I've never known Tope to be anything but a truth teller. And, uh, you know, he is... Uh, he, he told him, you know, this is the place for you to be. This is the place where you will get developed. And so it helps when you kind of have all those things clicking together. And I think it, it's a lesson for fans because I, I think there's years where maybe a slow start and you think, well, this assistant can't recruit or this this staff can't recruit. And it's like, just, just, there's a reason I say like, let's, you know, I'm more than willing to criticize the staff for stuff. You guys have seen it many times, but let's get to the end and let's see what the final product looks like before we start criticizing everybody. Just on another, like on a tangent there, I've been fighting the good fight for Jeff Choate because if you talk to kids, they love Jeff Choate. And so it's like, we'll have a little bit in our behind the scenes on this tomorrow, but like there were a bunch of linebackers that were like, I would have totally committed to Texas for Jeff Choate. But the problem was that's the only reason I wanted to commit to Texas and the rest of it didn't make sense for me. And I think Choate's probably getting, you know, they didn't take a ton of linebackers this year. He's kind of getting thrown under the bus a little bit. And I think that's the guy like, let's give him another year and let's see what next year's cycle looks like before we really start to determine how he is as a recruiter. That's interesting because we hired a bunch of rainmakers in the staff. And I don't know that people talked about Choate necessarily in those same, you know, hushed tones as they maybe did with, with Banks and, and some of the other guys um, on the staff who had a, a huge legacy. But that's great to know that, you know, you start winning and, and uh, guys can buy a program plus a coach. But I, I am curious, since we're talking uh, all across the linebackers, defensive line, offensive line, is there anyone uh, in this class? Obviously, we know that the guys at the at the very top, you talked about Devon Campbell maybe uh, being able to come in as a special player. Is there anyone else who could maybe make an instant impact that, that fans, you know, as we cycle through and think about now there's 
20 some odd names 27 uh names to uh to know uh this year uh what who should they who should they be focusing on who could contribute maybe early uh in this class besides just the linemen I think there's two guys on the defensive front I really like, and that's Justice Finkley and Jay Montap. Both were big out-of-state wins against big SEC programs and the type of guys you need to compete at the SEC level. Got to see both of them in postseason all-star games. Um, it was my first able, you know, first time to be able to kind of view both of those guys. With Finkley, I just I love that kid to death, man. He is all gas to the max. Like he is. Uh, he's a little undersized, right? He's 6'2", 255, and that's not typically what you want in, a, in an edge. You want a big, long guy. But Finkley attacks leverage better than anybody I've ever seen. Like, he's just – he gets – he understands it. He understands how to use his size to get underneath guys. And he's so quick off the ball. And the thing I loved about him at the Under Armour game, those games are, are largely like a goof-off fest, right? Like, it's a bunch of kids. They're out in Florida. And I don't – by the way, I don't blame them for any of it. Like, you've played your high school career. Go have fun at the All-Star game. Like, enjoy yourself. Not Finkley, man. He was – balls to the wall at every single drill everything they did it was just like 100 miles an hour that's really what jumped out and then you see his first step you see how good he is with his hands um he has got a maniacal motor uh off the edge and so i i in being on campus early he's already physically where you want him to be kind of i think he's got a really good chance to to make an impact jamon tap maybe a little more raw, but he's got so much natural ability. And I just feel like Texas doesn't have a ton of answers when it comes to pass rusher. So they're going to need a couple of solutions. And I think both those guys uh, can be there. And then in the secondary, there's a couple of guys I like Terrence Brooks, obviously mm -hmm. is, is the kind of the banner guy, but I love Jalen Gilbo. I know Jalen Gilbo got kind of a weird rap during his recruitment because he was back and forth and here and there. You got to realize this is a kid who committed to Tom Herman and Jay Valai. Uh, then stayed committed through that decommitted from this staff committed to Gary Patterson who got fired. <laughs> so like I talked to him after the thing, he's like every head coach I've committed to just kept getting fired. So, um, <laughs> you know, he's a good kid, are extremely hard worker, um, and just a really sound corner. You know, he's not going to blow you away with measurables. He's not the fastest guy on the field, but when you look, line it up and just football ability to cover a guy, I think Gilbo is really strong in that area. And then Brian Allen Jr. from Alito is, yeah. um, you know, a guy I think is a really high floor guy. Um, he's, you know, he's he knows what he's doing back there. He's able to line the defense up. He's a guy that that sees the, the ball really well. Uh, he can make plays on the ball, but he's really a good striker. He's got a lot of great range. So I think he's a guy that you can depend a lot on um, in that back area. So those are the guys I think that stand out to me that could probably make early impacts. Something you didn't mention about Jamon Tap is that Texas absolutely and objectively needs more players with gold fronts. That's a that's a <laughs> table that I will stand on for the rest of my life. Is that gold fronts and dreads are the way to uh, to championships? Look, man, I. <laughs> I hope and I don't hope some days that like the world gets to listen to Jamon Tap talk. He is the funniest individual I have ever encountered. Um, he has given me some of the best all time quotes and stories. He is a unique. He is. I like we we asked him something at the All American Bowl and he just his answer was from I'm from the Bayou. So. <laughs> And I don't even think it was a question about where he was from. It was just his explanation. <laughs> so, um, you know, he is a unique, unique individual. And um, I, I hope the best for him. 
qu- uh, funny, quotable defensive lineman from the state of Louisiana. That that's worked out for us before. Uh, Roach was an all timer. I'm sure you know your uh, your uh, cousin uh, who's now playing for the the Saints. Uh, so you, you can't say too much family ties and all. But uh, uh, <laughs> and Keiston Roach were uh, both like uh, was it Keiston Roach that played basketball? Uh, Kerwin. Kerwin Roach. Keiston was his little brother who was a defensive back at North Shore. That shows you how much I care about basketball versus football. <laughs> um, when Kerwin was on on campus, uh, like it was all time in the Roach household. It was like we got <laughs> we got representation in both. Uh, and you know Malcolm Roach's dad's name is Mike Roach, so uh, it, full circle. It, it, it all works out for sure. I love it. So as we look at kind of Texas and and what they've done with this class, is there any spot or is there anywhere where you think that? Uh, potentially they're looking somewhere in the portal or is it, or are they pretty much done for, because the numbers are still the numbers and Texas will make it work. However, is there anything that they're trying to plug uh, with this kind of next portal window following spring practice? I think if they can find a difference maker at safety, I think they're always looking for an edge. You know, they're still in very much in it for O'Shawn Mathis from TCU. Mm-hmm. And that, that one's just going to take a little more time to kind of resolve. I think they're done at receiver uh, getting Isaiah Naor kind of, kind of filled that need and then linebacker i think if they could find an inside linebacker that they feel again this is a much different portal strategy than it was last year last year it was we need numbers and we need bodies and we got to get these guys on campus just take some flyers this year has been much more calculated if you look at the guys they have quinn ewers obviously ryan watts um, who fills a need at corner or safety Jaleel billingsley who you know hopefully can revive his career as a dynamic downfield tight end and then naor who you know, one of the more talented receivers in the portal, they went out hunting for specific needs and, and a lot of talent at those positions. So I would expect to see um, that same strategy followed. I don't think, no offense to him. I don't think you're going to see him take a Devin Richardson this year. Um, I think that at this point, it's just, let's see what we can find, but we also need to be careful about who we're spending a scholarship on. That's a fantastic uh, wrap up on the recruiting, but no, no Mike Roach podcast appearance is complete without uh, what we now affectionately call a little Godzilla Tron homage. But what have you been watching? Can you fill us in on, on the latest or often in Mike Roach style, the absolute not latest trend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> None of it's new. I kind of started my wife on Ted Lasso, so I've been rewatching the first season with her on that. Wow. Nice. When I not when I go to nice. bed at night, I turn on the West Wing because it's like a comfort show to me. I've been like, when I work, I kind of put on mindless stuff because if I put on the West Wing while I work, I'll just stop working and watch the West Wing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I've been watching the, uh, the real world on MTV from yes. like kind of start to finish. Although there's some seasons I skipped. I got like two or three episodes in and we're like, this season's boring. Well, let, let's pause there. Real world. Do you, can you, can you put together a top uh, seasons of real world or a, a Mount Rushmore of, of real world? Not to throw you on the spot. I know there's some pressure coming with that. What's your favorite real world to go back to? Absolutely. I'm glad you, <laughs> I'm glad you asked the question. <laughs> The GOAT season of Real World, in my opinion, is the first season of San Diego. And he's kind of like, if you watch later, God, I, I'm about to ruin all y'all's listeners. They're just going to be like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> if you've watched later seasons of The Challenge, he's kind of become like an old man cartoon. But like Brad from San Diego was an incredible character uh, on that cast. It's just, I, I just really liked it a lot. It's the one year where like everybody just really got along for the most part. Um and, uh, you know, that's that's probably my favorite. I would throw the second New Orleans iteration mm. in there. I think that was really good. 
Um, I would put Key West in there. I, I liked Key West a lot. Of course, it gave us Johnny Bananas, the challenge yeah. goat. Um, and then what would be my fourth? I'm going to say uh, the second Vegas season because mainly because uh, Leroy is probably my favorite character in the real world slash challenge world. I guess you would call it the cinematic universe. And um, <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Leroy, who was a garbage man in Dallas. So he's got my heart already. <laughs> um, and then uh, he's just really like, super real guy you know he's he's just he's like every dude you went to you know went to high school with so um yeah i would say that that second vegas season is probably on there as well i'm glad you said key west there was a point when i almost did my bachelor party in key west and i was looking for places to put a bunch of rowdy dudes and uh this is a little tip for our listeners this was a few years ago but maybe you could still find it on verbo or vrbo the real world key west house is available for rent uh for you know uh, one to let's call it 25 uh rowdy individuals <laughs> so uh just just a little note there for any of you heading to key west so here's uh by the way i think austin is an awful season i was gonna a, ask you i was gonna ask you objectively terrible season it's got all the worst people on it um i mean there's like nobody likable on that show and the house was like fine, I guess. I don't know. It's v- it's VY Steakhouse now, so yeah. I guess it worked out. I'm trying to think. Can I do a? Here's the real challenge. What's the Mount Rushmore of real world houses? Just the house. Um, I'm going to say this is again off the top. So the second New Orleans season, which is yeah. like r- right downtown and all those big mansions. Yep. Um, that was an incredible house. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Um, Key West looked pretty awesome. Uh, I got to go St. Thomas, even though it was an awful season, but the house was out on its own island. So that's, like, that's a flex. Beat it. You, you can't, you can't have that one, not in it. Oh, you know what? I, I guess uh, Cancun would be up there season wise for me. I can't put it in the house though. Cause it's like a hotel suite at the, at some resort out there. Um, and then my last one would probably be the second San Diego iteration. Their mm. house was, was pretty awesome. Folks, if, if you thought we were just going deep on recruiting news, then you didn't realize you were signing up for a uh, Kyle Gerald and Mike Roach podcast. We'll go deep on any topic. And, uh, you know, as in typical Roach fashion, it was it was exquisite. If, if they've been here with us for this long and heard any other Mike Roach <laughs> podcast, they know that we're going to spend just as much time on the other stuff as we do recruiting. <laughs> and that's the fun of it. What's crazy is, like, I like the real world, but only as a support to the challenge, which is my favorite garbage television show of all time. And like, it's just, it helps because like, I'm like, uh, who are these St. Thomas people? I don't know what their beef is. Let me go watch the St. Thomas season so I can understand them. (laughs) You know, I got to watch their origin stories. It's right. The Avengers version is what is the challenge. (laughs) Um, So like, that's a great metaphor. If you guys, maybe next time, I don't know if we have time, I could get deep into challenge stuff like deep, deep. We, we may have to do like a challenge rewatch like podcast. Just start a whole thing. I'm, do it. I'm so in. I've already watched the first four seasons in a rewatch in the last two days. So that's amazing. My my wife is a big fan. I might have to get her on as a cameo. And I have a friend who went to there's I you may know this, Mike. One of the challenge people is a uh, is a barber now in Houston. Uh, one of the former challenge people. And and uh, I have a friend who went. He was like so nervous to get his hair cut. Uh, by I'll have to look it up for you. I'm showing my naivety. I was about to say. Do you know the guy's name? I don't. I don't know. 
I by the time you come on this podcast again, I will have a full description, uh, or I could text you before that. But uh, <laughs> yes, I will. I will find out, and I will let you know. I have considered like starting a blog just to power rank like challenges, challenge seasons, um, challenge competitors, individual great seasons. Like nobody understands this, but like. Uh, like the two greatest individual seasons by a challenge was like Gauntlet 2. Derek was incredible in that season, faced all the odds, took on everybody, and actually didn't win, but he had such a strong performance. And then like Fresh Meat 2, uh, Kenny put on a master class <laughs> in politics and performance. And so, um, yeah, I've got a lot to say about the challenge. I, I almost want you to like bring your like your day job to the challenge is really what I would love. Like it would just be absolutely incredible to see your rankings. You want, you want to see my day job brought to the challenge. Um, yesterday I was watching fresh meat one. And like, for those unfamiliar with the concept, they used to get the competitors from like the real world and road rules, right? Well, then road rules died and, Oh, wait a minute. Is it? It's Leroy. He's Leroy, the barber in Houston. My, That's my I'm, guy. He's in my, Houston. My wife just texted me. He is. He is in Houston. Oh my oh, goodness! This man. Full circle. Oh, I love Leroy to death. Oh, he's the best. I got to go to Houston now and get my hair cut. I, uh, I will get an address for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I found his website, Roy Lee the Barber, because he he's Leroy, but he goes by Roy Lee too. Um, Love that he, versatility. He, yeah, he's hilarious. So I was watching Fresh Beat One, and and basically they got to a point where they didn't have any new competitors coming in, so they brought in just like these random group of people who auditioned called Fresh Meat, and they put them through like a combine at the beginning because the veterans who had been there like got to pick their partner from the combine. Amazing, God, dude. They talk about these people. They're like they're like the greatest athlete here. They're just such an exceptional athlete, and they made the mistake of listing their forty time on there. Oh, no. Like the dude who they were like the dude who they were like he's just this incredible athlete. He ran like a five eight nine. <laughs> I was just like that's Jeremy I mean, high kind of, school numbers. <laughs> like the two best athletes again, and stop me here because I'm gonna go on forever. The two best athletes in the challenge history, in my opinion, are CT. And if you don't mm. know who CT is, yeah. You need to, you need to figure that out because he's in. He's he told a guy once he was going to smash his head and eat it. And then, um, and, and Leroy, Leroy is built. He's like six two two twenty, like linebacker style, and uh, he's incredible. So yeah, sorry, I could go on this all night. So <laughs> Mike, and, appreciate it. And we've got basketball to watch here in five minutes. We do. So with that in mind, Mike. If people want to get, I mean, our people are following you, but like, what's what's coming out? What does Mike have on the on the burner? Kind of coming out rec uh, recently that people should check, check out. out. So if it's Thursday morning, you're going to want to listen to this, and then you're going to take yourself right over to Horns Twenty Four Seven, where we've got our behind the scenes piece, a two parter. It's over ten thousand words of what we couldn't tell you during the cycle. It's basically already written as of now. We are just waiting on a couple of things, a couple minor details to square away before we put it to bed. Um, actually, I'm, I'm really proud of myself because I am a elite, elite procrastinator. And <laughs> I wrote this thing two weeks ago for the most part. Nice. So I was like, let me get this off my desk and basically let's fill it 99% and then we'll come back at the end and, and finish what needs to be finished. But um, that's going to be the big one. I mean, that's the, the big thing we do every off season. 
Um, and it's a fun read, you know, it's kind of a, here's what happened. Here's how this recruitment went down, uh, type of thing. And so, uh, check that out for sure. We're going to have some more content later this week on just kind of wrapping up the 22 class, how recruiters did stuff like that. And then, um, well, this Saturday, Snowmageddon is headed for Dallas on, uh, (laughs) Wednesday night, Thursday morning. And we've got pylon seven on seven to cover in the snow in (laughs) Dallas. So, um, I, I laughed. I said this on our podcast today when we recorded it, but my biggest pet peeve in the world is there are a section of journalists in this world who look down on the recruiting reporter, right? They call us fanboys and all this, but they always come around at signing day to get that clout. You know, they <laughs> want to start talking about signing day and recruiting and all that. And um, I used to say, look, if you're not standing on a field in July, when it's 110 at a junior high in grapevine watching a kid uh, do ladder drills, I don't want to hear your opinion. So my new thing is if you're not in the snow covering seven on seven, three days after signing day, I don't want to hear your opinion on it. So that'll be big. We'll have some stuff from that and then kind of get a kick back a little bit, got vacation coming up. And then once we get back, we'll be fully into the 23 cycle. I want that on a t-shirt. If you're not at a middle school in grapevine in July, I don't want your opinion. opinion. Dude, I went to, okay. So a couple years, Years ago, I went to a middle school field in Grapevine. That's why I, I mean, I'm authentic. I, I, I think of the examples from my own life experience and watched Jalen Catalan train um, with his trainer. It was 110 degrees. I had gotten back from vacation and literally from the airport drove to the field. Wow. Um, and then and like the bottom of my shoes felt like they were melting on, <laughs> on the field turf. Oh, no. Just so, you know we could do it so <laughs> and um, that's why you're the best in the business it's that dedication right there thank you mike so much for for making some time take some time for us man uh we will absolutely do this again soon but uh let's go uh let's go watch some basketball yes absolutely it's it's time for that all right back to some uh tangentially related to university of texas items <laughs> easy for you to say yeah correct correct <laughs> uh this is the real world that we're talking about here burnt orange lenses uh gerald the nfl playoffs are heading into their last chapter been a great playoffs honestly one of the the better playoffs all games uh, included that i can remember especially the past couple rounds but uh, a thrilling come from behind victory in the afc championship game center trey hopkins propelled the cincinnati Bengals. uh burrow couldn't throw passes if trey hopkins wasn't blocking uh and defeated Alex Okafor, again, this is a Hopkins versus Okafor battle that the national media was talking about, um, who had two tackles and a loss for the two-time defending AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs, who fell in overtime 27-24 to those Trey Hopkins, Joseph Osai, and oh yes, also Joe Burrow uh, Bengals, who go to the Super Bowl. Of a game of 21-3 deficit late in the second quarter, um, third Super Bowl in their history. Uh, excited for... Basically, you know, hoping to get a Longhorn a Super Bowl or two in this case with with Joe Osai uh, being on the injured reserve, but 17th consecutive Super Bowl, as we said, with a Longhorn uh, competing in it. And the uh, the other side, the could have had Longhorn on Longhorn action, uh, head coach Kyle Shanahan, special teams uh, coordinator Richard Hightower and current defensive end Chuck Omena, who had one tackle for a loss in this one, ended the season with a tough loss, 17-20 to to the Los Angeles Rams. So, But one Longhorn team to cheer for, so everyone, we are Bengals. I mean, not going to lie, I uh, was cheering for the 49ers in that because 
I like being able to hedge my bets on getting a Longhorn a uh, Super Bowl ring. But Joe Burrow, in his both with his on-field acumen and his post-game uh, ex- excellence, has almost gotten me to forget what he did to Texas uh, in Austin. And with how good he's been and also how good like the other receivers on that team has been, that game and how the rest of that season played out just continues to be really weird in, in retrospect. In hindsight, uh, Joe Burrow being able to throw the ball to Jamar Chase uh, for a lot of yards is not as... Uh not as embarrassing a feat as it seemed at the time because they're doing it to NFL defenses uh, pretty constantly. Um, so yeah, uh, it's hard not to root for Burrow. I, I've forgiven him. He's he, it was part of his miracle season. So good for them. Uh, but let's let's take it back one level, Jerry. We talked pro. Uh, let's go the other way. Let's talk about two. Longhorn legends being selected for induction into the Texas High School Football Hall of Fame. And my favorite part about this is uh, you have none above the 3A level. That's defensive end Tony Brackens from 3A Fairfield High School and quarterback Colt McCoy from 2A Tuscola Jim Ned. Uh, I think May 7th they're formally recognized. But these are these are two legends that, you know, depending on your age, are very huge parts of your life. Um Brackens was, you know, just that dude uh, in college and then NFL and the early Jaguars days. A lot of Longhorns made the sad mistake of being Jaguars fans because of Tony Brackens. Um, I, I've seen on the Internet and I, I feel for you. Uh, you. You can change. It's OK. You can you can give that up. Be a Bengals fan. Uh, but no, Brackens, uh, I won't go over all of his career accolades, but a long and storied uh, career after, you know, being a, uh, a, a 3A monster. The thing I wanted to talk about was two-way Jim Ned Colt McCoy was was absolutely that dude you could discredit it being a, a two-way school but he's posted a 34 and two record as a starting quarterback in high school and then he went on to be at the time when he left the winningest college quarterback so uh, clearly guy knew how to win uh, but he also had just uh, shy of, of 9500 passing yards and 116 passing touchdowns uh, both two-way records and, and sixth overall in Texas high school history uh, at the time he went to college. So he was, I mean, we didn't think about Colt as the big recruit in that class, but he was a dude in high school. Just people assumed he wasn't playing the best competition, but showed he could do it at any level. I mean, not bad for a guy who was probably recruited to be Ryan Paralu's backup, like when, when, as that class turned out and looked initially, but we don't ever really talk about like the two-way records. Like my favorite thing I ever did in my entire sports writing career or a sports covering career is set. We sent a satellite truck to the armpit of Oklahoma because the class C Nash, uh, state championship game would also potentially allow somebody to uh, set the national consecutive wins record. They had won five consecutive undefeated state championships and so like the the small school stuff is so much fun and it's so cool to see um and obviously we know what colt turned into after it but like being honored for being one of the best high school quarterbacks in the state of texas football history just happened at a small school level it's incredible and we love seeing it that's right and 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 again no no uh slouch on the defensive side with tony brackens two guys who had uh long and and pretty solid nfl careers in both cases um Keeping it at the high school level, men's basketball signees Dylan Mitchell and Arteria Morris were named McDonald's All-Americans. Two of the 24 players selected uh, this year were Longhorns, which is fantastic. Uh, They became the 21st and 22nd players in UT program history to play in the All-American game. Uh, McDonald's All-American game, I believe it's been about 45 years that that's been going on. Um, And uh, Gerald, can you name the last time 
that the Longhorns had two in the same class? 2016? That's right. That is Andrew Jones and Jarrett Allen. They, uh, they've they done that four times total, 04, 06, 2010, and last in 2016. And then, Gerald, the, my favorite story of the burn orange lenses, this was almost a bang the drum because I think it's just a great story. Uh, have you seen the news? Andrew Jones uh, and his partnership with the V Foundation for NIL. I did, and I mean... NIL is completely ruining college athletics and people are doing no great things with this. So like, why are we even doing this, Kyle? Why are we talking about this? That's sarcasm, by the way. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is like, it's so cool. Andrew Jones basically uh, signed a, a deal with the, the Jimmy V uh, Foundation, um, which if you're unfamiliar, Jim Marvano, uh, the famous uh, never, don't give up, never give up uh, speech. Um, they raise money for the past 20, 30 years um, f- for, uh, to fight cancer. And obviously Andrew Jones, a cancer survivor, said that uh, 10% of any NIL dollar that he makes. So if you own a business in Austin, and again, if you're listening to this, you own a business in Austin, get Andrew Jones. Uh, and you want him to come uh, you know, rep your wares, 10% of whatever he gets from that immediately goes to the V Foundation, which is so cool, so mature. So just, I, I don't know, I, I, it warmed, warmed my heart very much. Love Andrew Jones. Always be one of my favorite Longhorns. Absolutely. You and I shed tears when he came back and played his first kind of full game. And like the, I still get chills thinking about him against OU uh, and, and just absolutely crushing their hopes and dreams. It's just beautiful. So yeah, Andrew Jones, uh, Longhorn legend for sure. Absolutely. That. Uh, all right, Gerald, let's wrap it up. We already hit a little Godzilla-tron with Mike on the show, but uh, I'd be remiss not to let uh, each of us get a chance. So, Gerald, what have you been watching on your giant screen? So, I, again, haven't had a ton of time to, to watch new stuff, but I did. My wife and I are uh, catching up on Abbott Elementary, and good Lord, that show is funny. It's it's very much like The Office set up, but written in in a school and kind of highlighting some of the, the issues of school uh, in modern schooling, especially in uh, inner city schools and kind of lower income schools. So it's very, very interesting. We love it. We, hilarious. Really, really good. Just came back for like the, the, the finish out their first season. Absolutely check it out. And then I, I've been kind of just in like a nerd rewatch mode. So I rewatched uh, Rogue One, kind of the Star Wars interquel movie that takes place right before A New Hope. And that movie has no business being that good. It's a movie that's built around like a th- like a throwaway line from a movie that came out in the 70s and it's absolutely incredible and like moving and if you're into like Star Wars and stuff like it's ugh, I I cannot and I like I need more war movies than Star Wars. Like I have been lobbying for years for Catherine Bigelow. If you don't know who Catherine Bigelow is, she is the Academy Award-winning director who directed both Zero Dark Thirty and The Hurt Locker. I want her to do a Star Wars movie, uh, maybe do a similar to Rogue One thing, but based upon the between Return of the Jedi when the got the second Death Star plays. Anywho, nerded out for a minute. Rogue One holds up, still good, still incredible. If you haven't seen it and you're a Star Wars fan, like that doesn't exist, but it's great. I haven't seen it. Uh, I love Riz Ahmed. You also don't do sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. I have seen the, the original trilogy and, and the movie Solo, but uh, I'm exposing myself. Nerds are shouting at me right now. I also haven't seen Abbott Elementary, so I'm going to check that out. Gerald, what I have seen, speaking of war movies or war shows, uh, is in my opinion, and this has been my bucket list. This has been my, like, everyone has that embarrassing piece of the, you know, 
repertoire, prestige TV or TV that you love, your canon, whatever it is that you just haven't seen and you can't believe it. Um, and, and I've never remedied this. And I finally said enough is enough. And I started Band of Brothers. Um, Gerald, it, it is every bit as good as people had been telling me for a decade or, or two. Um, they just celebrated their 20th anniversary. And, and uh, Roger Bennett of the Men in Blazers podcast that I listened to is doing the official HBO podcast. And I listened to kind of the first one, the, the prologue, which had Tom Hanks on there just talking about it, the show as it was made. And I, I got so hooked listening to that podcast. I was like, yeah, I, I can't delay any further. So I'm now four episodes in. Uh, about halfway, and uh, it's so stinking good. And I, you know, from folks tell me it just gets better. Um, and and honestly, I know folks who watch it annually uh, on a rewatch, and and they say it gets better with each watch. So I'm on my first run uh, through Band of Brothers, and uh, it is just it is just so 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 unbelievably good. And I also recommend the the kind of companion podcast uh, that Roger Bennett, who is just a, a uh, a wonderful human and, and a smart and great storytelling uh, podcast host and, and human being. So recommend both of the Band of Brothers media, but obviously start with the show. It's so stinking good. Got to watch both the Pacific and Band of Brothers. Like that is like the the World War II like yeah. twosome that you have to absolutely watch. They're both so good. Uh, not easy watches. Again, anything World War II related, probably not easy watch, but so, so good. So, so good. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We'll be back on Tuesday to talk about basketball because, frankly, we didn't want to talk about it tonight because that <laughs> game kind of sucked. But we'll be back on Tuesday. We'll talk all things basketball and we'll be back in our normal rhythm. We may have an extra show for you next week as well. Stay tuned. But until then, hook them. Hook them. Text us up.